Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us. There were competitive games, though. They were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up. We were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Brad and Hey hey, welcome back to another Pure Victory Podcast episode. Matt and Braden here. We've got a great guest today. We've been looking forward to this interview for a while. Dr. Fenske is a cardiologist here at the Royal Alex Hospital in Edmonton, and he works in addiction medicine. Lots of different kinds of addictions um, come into his office, and he's also a believer, though. He's a chair for the Christian Medical Dental Association in in Canada, and he's married with three boys, and he he does a lot of great talks on pornography on the brain. I think it's so important, Braden, and I both think it's so important to, to understand what porn does to the brain and also how to rewire it. And so we'll talk about the renewing process, the rewiring process next week. But today we're just going to talk about what porn does to the brain. So Dr. Fenske, thanks for being here today. My absolute pleasure. We're really excited to have you here with us, uh, Dr. Fenske. And so we wanted to chat with you because I think a lot of people are thinking about this, about what does pornography and a pornography addiction actually do to the brain? Maybe just break it down for us. What does porn, how does it affect the brain? What does it do to our wiring and, and just the makeup of our brains? Yeah, it's a very good question. And the uh, I would put it under the, the, the greater topic of, of just uh, addictive substances, of which pornography would be an example. So pornography uh, would be akin to um, uh, addictive substances you one might be aware of, for, from nicotine and cigarettes to alcohol to the uh, street drugs and fentanyl and, and heroin, cocaine, crack, uh, all these substances take advantage of a natural reward pathway that we have in our brains. So God has given us this reward circuit, if you like, uh, as part of our hardwiring 
in the brain. It takes takes part of a, it makes use of a number of um, uh, aspects of the brain, including uh, the the deep down structures, the brain stem and or basal ganglia are com components, and also our cerebrum, our, our thinking area, the, the frontal portion of the cortex. And there's, there's an actual well-defined reward circuit that when activated by a substance in the natural, in the natural sense, you know, food, sexual intercourse, uh, anticipation of sexual intercourse, these uh, stimuli in, in the natural uh, sense would prompt release of a neurotransmitter, a, a certain uh, protein called dopamine. And the dopamine, when, when released then into this pathway, binds onto receptors, and those receptors have a certain effect in terms of uh, creating the satisfaction, contentment, excitement, uh, and reward, pleasure. And so this pathway is often referred to as the uh, seed of desires and drives, the pleasure pathway, or as I refer to it, as the reward circuit. And it gives us positive reinforcement, if you like, for certain behaviors. You know, when when you've got uh, someone saying, well done, that well done, that kudo also factors into this reward pathway. So it's a very important pathway, and it's a very important part of how we how we function. But the uh, problem uh, here with addictive substances, as I mentioned, like, for example, crack cocaine or uh, addictive visual stimuli, such as pornography, is they make use of this uh pathway but overload it much much more than a natural stimulus of you know food even a, a junk food you know which can which, which can stimulate this uh, reward pathway all the more like chocolate bar you know potato chips this kind of idea the uh, addictive substances and and pornography as well really cause a marked increase and as we understand uh, addiction and what causes addiction people can get to have food addiction for sure but what the, the hallmarks of an addictive substance uh, really revolve around how much time lag there is between the the uh, activity, be it, for example, taking a drag on a cigarette right. or opening a, a browser and, and, and looking at an image, uh, pornography image on, on the computer. The, the time lag between that activity, that drawing on the cigarette or moving the mouse yeah. to the actual release of dopamine and into the circuit, this reward pathway. And so that time lag is a very critical part of of the addiction uh, strength. And the shorter that time lag is, the more powerful the addicting scenario. Uh, so for example, you know, studying, uh, getting a, a degree at the university is not very addictive, you know, because <laughs> by the time you actually, uh, you know, do your four years or whatever and get your little diploma, you know, that's a very long period of time to right. get that gratification. So people aren't generally addicted to, uh, to getting university degrees, but uh, when we have something like uh, smoking a cigarette, where the where we draw on the cigarette, and very quickly then the the, uh, the the smoke and the nicotine in the smoke comes into the into the lung and and moves very quickly into the bloodstream across the alveoli in the lung, and then very immediately to the receptors uh, and activate this this uh, reward pathway. Highly addictive because it's very very quickly done uh, the, where the nicotine and you can imagine with the visual stimuli. Even even as fast as, as the nicotine, if not faster. Right. And so the the time lag and the lack of time, if you like, or how how brisk the response of the dopamine release 
the activity is is a, a key factor. And the second factor is just the amount of dopamine released. So when we have a chocolate bar, we have some chips or, or even those kinds of things, there's a certain amount of dopamine that's released into the pathway. Uh, sexual activity is more, Trump, you know, is even more than, than food. But these substances, crack cocaine is the best example, giant amounts of dopamine are released uh, into the, just floods the, over, over, overwhelms the pathway because of the uh, the nature of the substance. And so it's not just the short lag time now, but the amount of dopamine that's into the, into the circuit. And, and uh, pornography, visual stimuli, can, can also release a, a tremendous amount, not quite as much as crack cocaine, but much more than the natural natural uh, wars would be and then many and much more than many other other drugs and uh, for example the opiates por- the porn uh, release of, of dopamine would be ranked right up there so it's uh, it's like an addictive substance if, if, if you will in terms of the amount of dopamine in, in the circuit and the, the kicker about dopamine which separates it from addictive substances is that it's not just the short lag time mm. and the amount of dopamine that's being released but the opportunity for repetitive release and a sustained effect because when one you know if, if one does cocaine for example there's a there's a certain exposure of the drug and a certain effect and then it wears down and but with with pornography with the visual stimuli there's the there's the effect as the rewards pathway is turned on and then with the click of a mouse the opportunity for another image novelty uh, which is a very, very powerful element, uh, the third powerful element of an addictive substance or, or, or behavior uh, that causes another surge of the dopamine release. And so you can have surge after surge after surge after surge just by clicking a mouse, click, 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 click. And so it's a, the, what can happen then, and what's so very concerning here is, is the, just the flooding of the dopamine and the persistent flooding of the dopamine. Into the end of the pathway wow. until it finally fatigues, and so it, it actually separates out uh, pornography from the substances. Is actually, uh, I would say, uh, worse in, in many in, in, mm-hmm. in terms of the addictive elements uh, to to many of these substances because of its durability, because of its sustained uh, nature. Wow! Wow! <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty sobering to hear, actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it is. I, I remember a few years ago, the devils that played there, you know, because it's, it's just a, it's a brilliant way, <laughs> you know taking advantage of God's design and perverting it and turning mm-hmm. away from God and making it something, uh, you know, lesser and actually quite destructive. Seriously. Exactly. I mean, he knows the devil knows what he's doing, especially getting us as kids when we're eight, nine, 10, 11 years old and see it for the first time. And we don't have any idea or, or even ability in our brain to comprehend what to do with it. And so mm-hmm. you were, you, you mentioned multiple times about the overload on the brain and, uh, and kind of at the beginning, you were talking about, the brain development and where it affects our thinking and are able to, to reason. And I remember a few years ago, this mom was so scared because she was learning about the science of, the, of pornography and she brought her, her teen to our, our, be involved with our ministry. And she was scared because she, she heard that porn was just like heroin on the brain. And she was like, what? And that was kind of shocking. And now in some degree, we're hearing that it's worse. But what can you speak to in terms of practically, how does this affect a teenager in terms of their brain development and just practically living their life? How do they, like, how do we see the yeah. manifestation of it? Yeah, no, it is very concerning with, with uh, the, the growing, the developing mind. You know, I, I, everyone can be affected here, though. So, uh, you know, male, female, irregardless of age. So the, the human brain of any age can be affected here. We all have this reward circuit, and we're all susceptible to this. No one, no one is uh, is free of this potential 
uh, concern. So I would just lay that as, a, as kind of a, a, the foundation of that. But right. if we think of the child, the, the developing brain, the teenager, uh, where the, the tissues are at their, their peak, if you like, of, um, of sensitivity to dopamine. It's very, very, the, the positive negatives are, are at their peak in terms of do, do, dopamine sensitivity. And the brain uh, development, uh, just by, by virtue of its, of its development, we call it neuroplasticity, mm-hmm. neuroplasticity. This, this is the, uh, the brain is so incredibly vulnerable or, or open to these kinds of uh, rewiring changes. And so what can happen with the, the dopamine release is that it's not just dopamine binding to receptors anymore. This recurrent exposure uh, causes changes in the production of certain proteins in our brain. And one of the one of the proteins is called delta Fos B. is referred to as delta Fos B. And this protein acts like a, a molecular trigger, if you like, for the uh, addiction pathway. And it's actually involved with the DNA production of proteins that re- rewire the, the the brain pathways to make them turn a, a regular road into an Anthony Hende or a white mud freeway. Mm-hmm. You see. And so it, there are actual architectural changes that are occurring, all the more likely in, in the young brain, which is so much more sensitive and so much more able, neuroplastic, if you will, to, uh, to make these architectural changes. And once these changes take place, it's like having a, a really nice highway. It's, uh, it's more likely to be it's so, it's so easy to then transfer this, uh, this visual stimuli information on. And uh, it tends to reinforce itself, become even paved better and, and extra lanes put in, you can imagine from that, that analogy, you know, so where, where it once would have been a little footpath, now it's a, it's a you know, four-lane highway. Right. And, and this is happening because of actual protein production stimulated by the dopamine and the, and the delta phosphate transcription factor, it's called. Mm-hmm. So this is the, a real concern then for children and the developing brain, because when this, when this reward pathway is, is taken over this way, it, it tends to have highly destructive uh, characteristics for, for the developing brain mm-hmm. and it's and it's widespread i mean uh, just to mention you know some of them there's the, the the ability to think so in our in our thoughts we have to be able to focus uh, you know if you want me to do solve a problem you know in mathematics or whatever i to be able to focus on that and and concentration abilities are reduced when this kind of reward pathway is overblown uh, when it's been overdeveloped because of certain stimuli and so we have a concentration uh, loss of concentration faculty, which is, uh, you know, it's a problem for, for I recall as a teenager, that was maybe a bit of an issue anyway. But then when you have porn, pornography ideation coming into your math class, you know, when you're trying to do your, your, your work here, it's pretty difficult to concentrate. And the, because of the overwhelming amount of dopamine being released in the pathway, it, it tends to affect one's mood. And so that, there's actually a lack of motivation that occurs. Everything has to be porn to have the excitement. Huh. Everything outside of porn, even if it is a nice thing, that's something enjoyable, playing uh, games with friends outside or whatever, uh, right. it becomes less exciting and, and le- less desirable. And so there's a, a overall kind of depressed mood that often happens, a, a negative self-perception that, that young people can have. There's guilt and shame of, of the behavior that kind of begins to create a secrecy so they have this kind of double life, you know, where they, they have a, a public life, you know, where everything's good and cool and even go to church. And yeah, you know, you sing your worship songs, but then you've got the secret life, you know, where you you have this this pornography uh, ruling you. Uh, it, basically, you're a slave to. 
And the, the key elements of, of knowing that one's addicted would be, you know, uh, having this need to, to be uh, for the substance, be it crack cocaine, or in this case, the, the pornography visualization, and also a lack, lack of control. It's almost like you can't control things anymore. It's a compulsive element. And then this tolerance where there's the body no longer gets the same kind of dopamine release depending, you know, with, with, the, with the visual. And so it used to be that this particular picture would cause a certain amount of dopamine release, and now it doesn't. Now you need to have a hundred of those pictures, different ones, to create the same kind of dopamine release. And, and this pushes uh, people, young people uh, in particular, into very bizarre and, and, and disturbing areas of, of, of imaging is to try to get the same kind of dopamine release because they're almost lost of control here. And they, they just want to try and get that high, so to speak. And so it moves people into, you know, other genres and sexual fetishes and, and all these kinds of things. And this is how, how terribly destructive it can be then in terms of not just our thinking, our mood, our, our you know, with social withdrawal, but but the, these kinds of effects and and then from in my own practice uh, as a cardiologist i i see people with cardiovascular issues and one one vascular issue that men uh, have suffered from is called erectile dysfunction where they, where they they can't have an erection or impotence you know is the older term and uh, generally speaking that was something that older people would have mm-hmm. you know and, and, it, and it happens with with uh, hypertension, diabetes, and these kinds of there's certain disease processes that can cause this impotence that happen. And there's been, in the last 20 years, we have medications that can help with that. But what, what occurred in the last, I would say, 10 years is there's been a, a marked, sharp increase in young people with erectile dysfunction, less than 40. People that we would never think of outside of some medical issues like diabetes or whatever, serious diabetes never think they'd have erectile dysfunction where they couldn't even have an erection now. Yeah, even and, 19, and, 20 uh, years old, they're experiencing Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, and so and there's a giant, sharp increase in this, and it's related directly to the high-speed internet pornography. So hmm. there's a direct correlation time-wise with this. And it's quite remarkable because the drugs that we use for erectile dysfunction properly, I'll, I'll call it, uh, you know, for, for an older person related to vascular disease, don't work so well on this because it's not a there's nothing wrong with the, with the with the physiology it's the reward pathway that's just oh, been flooded yeah so it, it doesn't doesn't respond it responds to stopping pornography that that's that's the treatment and uh uh and but it doesn't respond to the, the medicine so the uh it's a long answer there but it's the team the, the young person is very susceptible for sure it's a long answer because there's a lot of, a lot of consequences <laughs> yes that's right and so now that you've kind of unpacked what that does in the developing brain, but in the behavioral component of that, what what happens to our brains over time if we are stuck in this behavior, this addiction, and we're seeing this, you know, beyond our teen years into our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, what does that do to the brain? I mean, just hearing you and what you're saying, I mean, it, it's it's changing us. So what does it do to our brain when when we're going through this behavior and doing this over and over and over again? Yeah, well, as I as I mentioned, this the, these proteins, this delta phosphate, for example, is uh, produced and has a long half life. So dopamine has a very short half life, but the, the delta phosphate you know lasts for for weeks on end. And and so even if one were not to, you know, try their best, for example, not to look at pornography, this this delta phosphate, an eight week uh, half life, is hanging around. And so that means that. Even if one was refraining from looking at any pornography for even six weeks, it still 
it's still dogging you, it's still bugging you. You're still a little monster there in your head saying, you know, to, to do this. And so because this, this pathway is all set up, it's all ready to go. And so the architectural changes then take, take some time to become dismantled and, and to be re- reversed again. And this is one of the problems then, that once this pathway has been set up so uh, entrenched, if you will, then uh, it's going to be there. And it's going to be there always as a, as a, a potential temptation then, mm-hmm. very easily simulated you know, to, to bring on the whole thing again. So it becomes all the more difficult then to become free free of it. Right. We've we've actually heard that when they take images or scans of brains that are, you know, have been addicted to porn for years, the similarities between that and a cocaine addiction are are quite present and evident. Right? Like parts of the brain are starting to die off because they're not being engaged because it's everything, like you said, the superhighway of, of behavior has been just so ingrained into the brain so that you know, the other parts are, are starting to just wither and, and kind of die off. So we, we, we've heard that. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> like we would never have yeah, thought I mean, that. There have been uh, studies looking at, like, for example, MRI, magnetic resonance imaging, that I think you're mentioning there. And, mm-hmm. and they, they can look at certain portions of the brain and the, and the architectural connections there. And in particular, this, this uh, forebrain bundle we're talking about is part of this uh, uh, reward bundle and how it, or reward pathway and how it changes and lights up, if you will, uh, with the compulsive pornography users versus a normal volunteer. And this would mimic, you know, uh, substance abuse uh, very, very much so. I mean, it's not it's not that, that the other areas necessarily die, but they're, right. they're, they're not being used. And so the, the connections then become less uh, developed and right. downgraded, if you will. It'd be like, for example, if you were uh, exercising a bodybuilder and then you stopped doing that. So then you would you'd lose that muscle again. So the, you don't lose the entire muscle, but you just lose the hypertrophy of right. the muscle and, and the strength of the muscle, et cetera. So like so atrophy is kind to, of, yeah. Yeah, you'd have to kind of work again and become deconditioned, if you like. So other parts of the brain that are still there, still possible. It's not a it's not a terrible news story. There's a good news here that, that we can still make changes. There's opportunities that God's, that God's part of his design for us, but there, there have been a withering, though, and a deconditioning, if you will, of other parts, and then an overuse of, of, of this reward pathway in terms of the stimuli. Well, and I love that you said that there are ways that we can we can get restored, and then God's design is so good. And we'll talk lots about that next week. Um, but can you just touch, just to wrap up, can you just touch on what, what are the hallmarks of addiction? How do you know that you're addicted versus you're not addicted? You've just watched it a few times or, or that kind of thing. Can you just touch on that just to wrap up? Yeah, I, I think there are, you know, there, there's the four elements of, of any, any addiction, uh, you know, be it through cigarette smoking, nicotine, or, or alcohol, or, or the crack cocaine, as, as we were mentioning, or the behavioral addictions. Gambling would be a good, good example of the behavioral addiction, uh, and, and pornography uh, is, is uh, the, the, our, our biggest concern here, of course. The one is this, this desperate need for it, really need it. So this idea that it's not just something you want to do, but you need to do it. And, and that, that is a, a different desire now. It's not actually an enjoyable experience anymore. So when one's addicted, there's, there's no joy in it. It's actual, it's actual uh, need. It's like you need to eat. You're, you're hungry. Right. You're, you're starving, mm-hmm. for example. And so you're not enjoying the meal like, it's oh, it's a beautiful meal, you know, uh, that, that mom made here for us. It smells so nice. And look at the, how, it's, how it's presented on the plate. No, you're ravenously eating it because you're hungry. Even starving. This is the need kind of idea. Right. So it's a dependency is one, one strong element. 
The second is a, is a loss of control. There's a compulsive element to it. We, we, we hear of the obsessive compulsive disorders, this kind of idea where the person can't, can't help themselves. And it's, it's this loss of control that pushes people on. They click that mouse and look at this other genre, other fetish, or, or something more perverse even, to try to get that dopamine release. It's almost like they can't control it anymore. It's their, their, uh, the mouse is kind of has a life of its own. And then thirdly, uh, this tolerance that no, no longer does the, this work this week. Now it has to be even more and more disturbing, more shocking, you know, to cause the dopamine release. And mm-hmm. then fourthly, the, how it, how it affects our function. So the, you know, the social withdrawal, our ability to think, you know, the, the physical problems of erectile dysfunction. There's even, you know, uh, the, 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 our mood, as I mentioned, the depressive, uh, uh nature of that. So, so the, those four elements of being dependent or needing it, the compulsive loss of control, being tolerant now, needing more and more, and then the destructive uh, elements then begin to surface. And that makes the secrecy even harder over time because that just bleeds into one's life, you know, and becomes harder and harder to hide that. Thanks, uh, Dr. Ted, for, for filling us in on this. And, you know, I think for people that are hearing this too, sometimes this can be very overwhelming because you might have a porn addiction and be like, well, great, what do I do now? And actually next week we have Dr. Fenske on again to chat about how we can restore the brain. There is hope, as he was mentioning, and that's good news for us. And especially, you know, if we are battling something like a, a porn addiction. So stay tuned next week for that. But Dr. Ted, thank you so much for taking part in this with us. And um, we will look forward to chatting with you guys next week. Thank you very much. You're more than welcome. It was a delight. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.